Section 8 of Practical Forestry in the Pacific Northwest by Edward Tyson Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Forestry and the Fire Hazard. The Slashing Menace. The function of fire as an aid to reproduction of the forest in some instances has been discussed in a preceding chapter. The protection question is of even greater importance, for whether we consider mature timber or reforestation, no forest management is worthwhile if the investment is to burn up. It can be divided broadly under two heads, reduction of risk due to operative methods, and general protection. Whichever we consider, the interest of every lumberman is at stake. The fire question affects him in many ways beside the danger of direct loss. The sale value of timber in any region is increased by knowledge that progressive protective methods prevail among those operating there. Nothing more effectively removes public carelessness with fire, or lack of helpful sympathy with the lumber industry in general, than evidence that the lumberman himself is devoting every effort to safeguarding instead of wasting this great public resource. Of operative methods reducing fire risk, one of the most important is disposal of logging debris. The deliberate accumulation of immensely inflammable material, almost always where extremely likely to be ignited, is a form of actually inviting disaster practiced by no property holders except lumbermen. Nowhere is it carried to such an extreme as in the West, where the refuse left on the ground is of so great volume as to preclude human control if it is once fired at a dry time, and where accidental fire is more often of a certainty than a liability. Of late, however, the more progressive lumbermen of the fir region have adopted the practice of firing their slashings annually at a time when the surrounding woods will not burn, and the pine men of Idaho and Montana have quite widely endorsed brush piling. Idaho has a piling law. Oregon already has a slash-burning law which is partially observed. The greatest objection to such a law is that neither reforestation nor economical protection indicates the same practice in different types of forest, and it is extremely difficult to make the law both flexible and effective. More will be accomplished by voluntary adoption of the method best suited to each condition. Brush Piling in the more open pine stands of the interior, where both logging debris and original combustible ground cover are small, slashings threaten the adjacent timber less than in denser forests, but are of peculiar danger to the valuable young growth usually left on the area itself. As we have seen in a previous chapter on western yellow pine, reproduction in dry localities may require scattering the brush over the ground and keeping fire out and there may be abnormally dense stands suggesting clean-slash-burning, but as a rule brush-piling is the best course. In view of the importance of this subject, the following extracts are taken from a circular issued by the Forest Service. Advantages of Brush-Burning The greatest advantage of brush-burning is the protection it gives against fire. In many cases brush-burning is the only practicable safeguard against fire. After the average lumbering operation, the ground is covered with slash, scattered about or piled, just as the swampers have left it. This, in the dry season, is a veritable fire trap. Probably 90% of all uncontrolled cuttings are burnt over, which retards the second crop at least from 50 to 100 years, and perhaps permanently changes the composition of the forest. Fires may be set by loggers while still at work on the area, or several years after by lightning, campers, or locomotives. 
by piling the brush and burning it in wet weather or in snow when there is no danger of the fire spreading all inflammable material is removed and the second growth can come up without serious risk of being destroyed even where only part of the brush is burned and the rest is piled as when the piles in open places along ridges streams or laid-off lines are burned very much is gained in case of fire since these cleared lanes form bases from which a fire may be fought besides lessening the danger from fire brush burning has certain minor advantages when the brush on the ground is removed it is much easier for rangers and others to ride or walk through the forest this may be very important in case of a fire or in rounding up cattle it is also much easier to cut and handle ties cordwood or other timber which may later be taken from the cut over areas if the slash is out of the way by piling and burning the green brush as it is cut from the trees by the swampers as is now being done in minnesota and parts of montana the ground is cleared and skidding is made easier and cheaper again careful piling and burning of brush improves the appearance of the forest there is nothing more unsightly than a recently cut over area where no attempt has been made to dispose of tops and lops near towns or resorts and along roads or streams frequented by tourists this point should be carefully considered but as a general rule the utility of the forest should not be sacrificed for beauty disadvantages of burning the disadvantages of burning brush are many and with the one exception of protection from fire far outweigh the advantages if protection can be had in some other way as with more efficient patrol service or more stringent laws the practice should in many cases be abandoned in many places especially in the yellow pine type the best and often the only reproduction comes up under a fallen tree top or other brush where there is little of the old stand left the straggling open top protects the seedlings from the direct heat of the sun yet brush not only protects the seedlings from the sun but what is more important the leaves and broken twigs form a cover which retards evaporation of moisture from the soil over the greater part of the west the soil dries out very rapidly during the dry season and this serious retards or even prevents the growth of seedlings even in the moister regions such as that of the engelmann spruce type it is very necessary to conserve the moisture in the soil after logging to prevent the remaining trees from being killed through lack of soil moisture a third reason why seedlings so often come up only under the downed tree tops is that they are protected from stock next to drought sheep are perhaps the most serious menace to reproduction and though it would be best to keep all stock off the area for several years after logging in many cases this is not practicable and on many areas the leaving of the tops on the ground is the only way to protect reproduction from injury in many places after the timber has been cut off gullies and washes start in the old wheel ruts log slides etc and these and other forms of erosion can best be prevented by leaving the brush on the ground either laid in the incipient washes or scattered over the soil that is likely to wash brush burning destroys the valuable soil cover and on the spots where the piles are burned the soil is loosened which renders it even more liable to erosion it is well known that where the forest is burned each year the soil becomes poorer and poorer because nitrogen the chief fertilizing ingredient of the soil is given off in the smoke and only the mineral elements go back to the soil in the ashes and what is more injurious the humus i e the decomposed vegetable matter in the topsoil is destroyed in burning brush after logging all the fertilizing and humus forming leaves and twigs are destroyed just when most needed for another good crop or leaves cannot be expected for many years 
the added cost both to the lumberman and to the government is another argument against brush burning the cost of piling brush has varied all the way from fifteen cents to one dollar or more per thousand with an average of forty or fifty cents while the cost of burning may be from five cents to twenty-five cents per thousand averaging about fifteen cents by abandoning the practice of brush piling this sixty cents a thousand will not be entirely saved as is claimed by some for the brush will still have to be lopped and disposed of in some other way which will cost it is estimated at least half as much as piling and burning but even a saving of twenty-five or thirty cents a thousand is a strong argument against the practice thus from a silvicultural viewpoint the disadvantages of brush burning far outweighs its advantages yet as a general policy it seems unwise until other methods have proved their efficiency to abandon brush piling and burning to any great extent at present fire danger is a known quality and though it is being reduced each year it is still a menace therefore changes from the present practice should be made with caution brush piling and burning is certainly not advisable in all cases and extensive experiments should be made to determine what is the best method of brush disposal for the different types and conditions brush piling and burning the cost of piling varies with the cost of labor and the methods of logging the type the topography the kind of trees cut and the time of year it is done a few figures will illustrate this variation in the yellow pine type in montana an addition to the swampers wages of fifteen cents a thousand would it is said enable them to pile the brush as they have to handle it anyways usually however the piling is done by a separate crew much of the work is thus duplicated in yellow pine in the southwest brush piling costs from forty five to fifty cents while in montana it can be done for twenty five cents one operator in lodgepole in montana says it is cheaper for him to pile than not to because he can get his skidding done so much cheaper yet on other operations it has cost from fifty cents to one dollar a thousand depending on how thoroughly it is cleaned up in the sugar pine type of california the cost of piling averages from twenty five to thirty five cents while the cost in the douglas fir type in montana and idaho averages about forty cents and in engelman spruce type the cost is only about twenty five cents a thousand it is certain however that the cost of piling will everywhere be materially reduced when the operators begin to look on piling as a part of the swampers regular work and not as an entirely separate job dry brush should never be burned during the dry season unless absolutely necessary for the suppression of an insect invasion green brush in some places may be burned at any time but as a rule it is unsafe to burn it in dry weather the best time to burn brush is in the fall just after the first snowfall then the piles are dry and there is no danger that the fire will get beyond control brush may also be burned at the beginning of or during the rainy season when the ground is damp enough to prevent fire from spreading and the brush dry enough to burn readily the cost of brush burning varies like the cost of piling it varies even more in the same localities with weather conditions and methods of piling brush that can be burned for ten or fifteen cents a thousand at a favorable time as just after the first snow will cost five or ten times as much to burn in dry weather or when the piles are very wet brush can be burned more easily the first fall after cutting than it can the second year when many of the leaves have fallen off brush burning has been done for thirteen cents a thousand in lodgepole in the medicine bow national forest while it has cost twenty two cents in similar timber in the yellowstone and estimates of forty cents a thousand have been made for it in the rockies it is generally admitted that brush can be most economically burned by the same people who pile it 
recently several contracts have been made in which the purchaser of the timber is required to pile and burn the brush under the direction of forest officers as has been the practice in the minnesota forest for some time this will lighten the total cost and when the weather allows the brush to be burned as logging proceeds the cost of burning will be offset by the subsequent reduction in the cost of skidding piling without burning brush piled properly even though it is not burned is a great protection to the forest inflammable material is removed from among the living trees and should a fire occur it would be much easier to fight this is especially true where reproduction is dense where openings are scarce piles should be made in the most open places and may be larger than those made to be burned slash burning in many regions especially in western oregon and washington logging debris is too great to make piling practicable but except for the damper localities close to the pacific the danger from these immense accumulations is all the more excessive and as we have seen elsewhere their removal is often desirable in order to further reforestation by desirable species here the only course is to burn the slashing clean this is a dangerous process unless every safeguard is employed burning must be at a time in spring or fall when the slashing is dry enough but the surrounding woods are not spring burning is theoretically preferable for it leaves less inflammable material during the fire season the first fire is also easier to control then because repeated experiments may be made as the slashing dries until just the right conditions exist on the other hand it is dangerous if there are many old stumps and logs in which fire may smolder to make trouble later the exponents or fall burning also argue that with care they can be ready to fire a very dry slashing safely at the beginning of a rainstorm spring burning seems to have the most advocates but it is doubtful whether any rule for all localities and conditions can be given with confidence frequently failure at one season leads to postponement until the next in either case the slashing can be given the advantage of the greatest dryness with safety if it is surrounded by a cleared fire line from which to work firing should be against the wind and if the wind changes suddenly the opposite edge should be backfired previous cutting of all dead trees and snags over 25 feet high is urgently recommended the camp crew should be held in readiness well provided with tools as insurance against accidental escape its probable restriction of insect breeding is a point of slash burning likely to receive much future study it is well known that most forest injuring insects prefer dying trees to vigorous ones also that the existence of an abnormal amount of such material tends to abnormal breeding and consequent serious attack of vigorous timber when the dead material becomes too dry to be inviting it is by no means impossible that the supposed immunity of douglas fir from insect injury may be largely due to the almost universal destruction by fire of logging debris which would otherwise afford ideal breeding places fire lines the division of mature forest into compartments separated by fire lines is seldom practicable in this country nevertheless slashings deadenings and similar fire traps can very often be profitably confined by the cleaning of strips which will not only stop or retard the progress of a moderate fire but also facilitate patrol firefighting or backfiring on favorable ground where some choice is offered much may be done by falling timber inward so as to leave few tops near the uncut timber and by the location of skid roads so far as practicable fire lines should be on the tops of ridges for being slower to go downhill than up fire is more easily discouraged just as it reaches a crest bottoms of gulches are next in strategic value and mid slopes least safeguarding equipment the most fruitful source of fires is spark emitting locomotives and logging engines 
much data has been collected showing that with oil at a reasonable price its use is economical from a labor-saving point of view as well as from that of safety it reduces expense for watchmen patrol fuel cutting firebox cleaning and firing and since it is an absolute prevention while all other measures merely seek to minimize the risk it is probable that even where the cost of the oil more than balances these savings it will save in the long run by averting a costly fire where the use of oil cannot be considered spark arresters are essential the argument that they prevent draft is not worth attention is greatly exaggerated by engineers and firemen prejudiced against innovation or too attentive to keep their fires up properly and consequently unnecessarily depend on occasional forced draft the slight disadvantage involved by the modern improved arrester is not to be compared with the importance of the safety inquired in addition to spark arresters which may fail or be out of order logging engines using fuel other than oil should be provided with a constant tank or barrel supply of six to twelve barrels of water and one hundred feet of hose with proper pumping attachment with this a spark fire can be promptly soaked out beyond danger of invisible smoldering in rotten wood or duff when conditions are dangerous careful loggers send a man back to each donkey setting between supper and bedtime to look for possible fires that were not seen when the crew left many keep a watchman on the rounds all night railroad rights of way can usually be kept cleaned and burned at a cost far less than that of otherwise frequent shutdowns of the entire camp to fight fire or rebuild bridges to say nothing of loss of timber patrol the best way to prevent fire is to prevent it putting out fires already started is better than letting them burn but as the real foundation of a protective system it is about like lowering a lifeboat after the ship has struck only by patrol can the incipient spark or campfire be extinguished before it becomes a forest fire that has to be fought taking hours or days instead of minutes one patrolman can stop one hundred incipient fires easier than one hundred men can stop one big fire fires in the forest may never be wholly averted but patrol will prevent them from becoming forest fires this is why the progressive lumberman no longer waits till forced to lay off his crew to fight spending in a day or two a patrolman's salary for a season shutting down his road and mill for lack of logs and perhaps in spite of all losing several thousand dollars worth of timber and equipment it is also why the progressive non-operating owner no longer considers fire loss the act of god to be reckoned with as an investment risk of several percent the man who does not patrol his timber nowadays is like a millman who hires no watchman has no hose or sprinkler equipment and carries no insurance he may escape loss but by not making a reasonable effort to insure against it he takes a course practically unknown with other forms of property modern fire patrol is systematic trained and organized men have definite duties tools assistance and supplies are available at known points and without delay trails and lookout stations often supplemented by telephone lines give the greatest efficiency with the least number of men above all the system is based on the fact that results are most truly measured not by the number of fires extinguished but by the absence of fire at all settlers campers and lumbermen are visited cautioned and converted in short the patrolman has a certain area in which to improve public sentiment his success in this is worth more than efficiency in fighting fires due to lack of such success a system devoted to mere firefighting to be adequate must grow larger as time goes on one devoted to preventing fire may be reduced as time makes it successful the cost of efficient patrol varies so directly with the risk that it is almost constant as an insurance investment 
where prevalence of fire difficulty of handling it etc make the cost per acre comparatively high there is equivalent certainty of greater loss if this sum is not spent where the owner is warranted in believing his risk small it costs but a trifle to provide sufficient patrol to insure against it one to three cents an acre is spent in the great majority of successful patrols in ordinary seasons associate effort one of the first lessons learned from the establishment of private patrol in the west was that both efficiency and economy are obtained by cooperation between owners obviously if one patrolman can cover the holdings of several it is foolish for each to hire a man if a fire threatens several tracts it is better to share the expense of labor hired to put it out the same is true of building trails buying tool supplies etc this has led to the forming of associations at which a minimum cost to each member accomplish the many tasks of finding suitable men having them authorized by the state supervising and supplying them paying emergency expense opening trails etc each member pays his share upon the acreage he represents these associations offer other important advantages besides the mere cheapening of work they are admirably adapted to modifying the cost to fit the season beginning in spring with an assessment to cover putting the whole territory under the essentials of supervision and patrol they can add men just as required by the progress of dry weather and reduce again in the fall men can be centralized at danger points better than through individual effort exceedingly important is the means they afford of bringing in the non-resident owner the small owner who is not warranted in employing anyone alone and the non-progressive owner who would otherwise do nothing but is ashamed to stay out of a general movement no tract can be safely considered as an independent unit no protection confined to it alone is as good insurance as the removal of risk from the district in which it lies fire is no respecter of section lines there is always danger of unusual weather in which it may travel a long distance it is far better to secure the maximum general safety in the locality than to have guarded tracks alternating with fire traps moreover attention to individual tracks does not improve surrounding conditions and the latter may easily become so bad as to make the cost of individual patrol as well as the risk far overbalance any financial disadvantage at present through cooperation again the public is far more likely to take kindly to the enforcement of fire laws by an association than to the action of an individual owner against whom some prejudice may exist associations greatly simplify cooperation with state and government in fire work and tend to bring about appropriations for the purpose they enable uniform and concentrated effort to improve sentiment and legislation this booklet and the other work done by the western forestry and conservation association was made possible by the existence of the local organizations it represents their independent local and state effect has been marked the bad fire season of 1910 was a supreme test of the associations of the pacific northwest they kept the bad fires in their immense territory down to a number which can be counted on the fingers and their losses were comparatively insignificant yet under the weather conditions which existed the thousands of fires they extinguished would certainly otherwise have swept the country and caused a disaster probably unparalleled in american history reforestation as a fire preventative however progressive the preventative policies adopted the race between them and the increasing sources of hazard resembles that between armor plate and ordnance in the construction of battleships while for a given population engaged in pursuit endangering the forests the risk lessens the total activity increases at a rate which makes the smaller proportionate risk as great in actual measure this is particularly true of the growth of slashing areas 
the virgin forest becomes more and more and checkered by burned and cut over deadenings veritable fire traps open to sun and wind and especially west of the cascades usually covered by inflammable debris brush or dead ferns each year brings nearer the time when unless something is done such will constitute the majority of once forested land and the uncut timber will remain like islands in expanses of extreme danger next to cultivation which but a small percentage will receive the safest insurance against recurring fires in these cut over areas is a thrifty young second growth it shades the ground keeps out annual vegetation that furnishes fuel when dead and will itself carry none but such furious crown fires as would be practically unknown were there no openings for them to gain headway in this is less true of pine but the very best protection which can be given attractive merchantable fir is a strip of ten to fifty years second growth surrounding it whether regarded from the owner's standpoint or that of the public reforestation should be considered as a protective measure of extreme importance actual expenditure to obtain it may easily be profitable for this reason alone for once established it will decrease the cost of patrol thereafter were all cutover land in the northwest immediately restocked the fire hazard would be enormously reduced end of section eight